couple of weeks ago, it seemed like Southern's quarterback battle was over and Harold Blood was the victor. Now it just seems like Blood is the leader in an ongoing quarterback battle. We'll decipher everything and tell you what it really is. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. I appreciate you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or use the promo code locked on college to get a free white tech hat with your purchase. We promise you, you'll never want to take off. Your bird dogs. Today's episode will wrap up with a two part about the NBA PA HBCU top 50. Not only how we should expand this program, but then also who are the standouts in this year's edition. But it starts off with an interesting situation down there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that is their quarterback battle at Southern University. Because to me, we have a little bit of contradicting information, or maybe things just changed. But this is kind of confusing. I believe that Harold Blood is going to be the starting quarterback. And I think that if you wanted to be a betting man, a betting woman, you should say that Harold Blood is going to be the starting quarterback. However, the amount of confidence with which you say that depends on if you're talking to me at the end of July or about in the middle of August. Because in the last couple of weeks, some things have changed. Because all signs, all the signs have pointed to Harold Blood being the quarterback until recent when it seems like there have been a little bit of doubt in that quarterback room. Now, I'm going to tell you everything, and I'm going to tell you my verdict on it. So you can have all the information, you can have my opinion, but you can form your own. I don't want you to just go based off what I'm saying. I'm going to give you both sides. Now, at SWAC Media Day, Southern walked out there with Harold Blood, quarterback Harold Blood, right, out of Destrehan, Louisiana. He was out there as one of the two representatives. Now, that usually only means one thing. That's your quarterback. All I needed to see, as I could have not watched anything else, but Harold Blood being there, when we knew that Southern was in a quarterback battle, we knew they had other guys there, and we thought they were going to be fighting it out, Harold Blood going was not a sign that he was leading the battle. It was a sign that he was leading the team into 2023. Now, once again, I do still believe that's the case. But at the end of July, when I seen that, there should have been no doubt. No doubt at all who's going to be the starting quarterback. But if you needed any other endorsement, which I didn't, but if you needed any other endorsement of who was going to be the quarterback, Eric Dooley addressed that directly. Head coach Eric Dooley of the Southern Jaguars said, everybody wants to talk about this thing. Everybody wants to know Harold Blood. And this is what he said. I quote, I'm very excited about Harold Blood. He was a gunslinger out of high school, and that's what I'm looking for in a quarterback. He just said, that's exactly what I want. He started talking about how, 
the running backs were the reason that they used this offense last year. Well, guess what? Those running backs are returning. You are bringing a pretty strong running game back, but you still wanted a gunslinger at quarterback. And I know he said that to be nice to the past quarterback, and right, he want he didn't want to ruffle any feathers with McCray. Somebody, yeah, we ran the ball last year, but this year, you know, you work with the personnel. Those running backs are still there. The reason you said y'all ran the ball last year was the running backs. Those running backs are coming back. You still wanted a gunslinger. So this is the guy who's going to get you away from what you felt was a very successful offense. It sounded like you really wanted blood. Now here comes new information. Eric Dooley, yet again, it's the same source. So it's not like we're switching. It's like, well, the offensive coordinator said this. The head coach said that. Dooley says blood is trying to own the job. He's going to continue to accept that. Basically that, um, excuse me, he's going to continue to accept that and not be satisfied. The guys behind him are not accepting that he's the starter. That's what you want. Competition day in and day out. Now, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to own that you cannot start, especially when you were just in a quarterback battle. You're supposed to continue fighting. So that's not a story for real. But he's trying to own the job. I thought he already owned the job. Now you have this idea, you're talking about competition. To me, if I made the, the decision that this is my quarterback, we're not even having conversations about competition. We're not even having conversations about owning the job. He does own the job. I felt like that was already kind of clearly painted and illustrated when you brought him up there at SWAC Media Day. Maybe I jumped to a conclusion. Maybe I jumped to a conclusion and I was too quick to that. But I think that's what many people believed. But okay, they're not accepting it. It is what it is. But is it a competition? Does that mean it's his job to lose? And that's where you get to what I personally believe is the situation. I believe this is Harold Blood's job, not his job to lose. This is his job. The only thing is that you want to have people motivated. You don't want him to be complacent. You don't want him to be satisfied with having the job. So maybe that's what you mean when he's saying he's not satisfied. These other guys are competing. Of course, they shouldn't, but they're not really a factor in this, to be honest. I think that this is Harold Blood's job. He just can't have a terrible camp. Not his job to lose where it's a real battle. To me, a quarterback battle is when you're going in with the intention of selecting someone. You've already selected someone in my mind. So that's make, that makes this not a battle. This just makes this a guy who was going. Now, anybody's job can be taken, whether they're in a battle or not. But I don't believe this to be a battle. Maybe your definition of battle is different than mine. But to me, if you have already landed on who your starter is going to be, regardless of the position, you can make this the cornerback. If you know that Darian Gray is going to be your cornerback, he could lose his job because he played so poorly. Some people can handle a bad camp. I don't think that Harold Blood can. I think if his camp is bad and somebody else catches their eye, then that guy might be the starting quarterback. But it would have to be really bad because they're not looking for that. They're not looking for the other options. They know what their option is going to be. That was said when you brought on the Swag Media Day. No one needed you to make Harold Blood a Southern representative. No one needed that. You chose to do that because you believed him believed in him so much that you made the decision on who's going to be your starting quarterback quicker than anybody was really asking for it. Nobody would have questioned you if you didn't have a starter named until a week or two before the season started, but you decided to make your starter known at SWAC media day. 
I don't believe that that was a decision that was done lightly. I believe that was a decision that was made with a lot of thought and one that won't be just quickly unraveled. He would have to look really bad. So when you look at it, I'm not questioning the things that Dooley said. I believe that he's trying to motivate. I just want to let you know, when you hear somebody who was at Swipe Media Day representing his team, then you hear something about competition, you might feel like, oh, so it's not as cemented as we thought. I believe that it is. I believe this is just motivating your players, making sure that your quarterback, who's going to be your quarterback, is still on his toes, and the guys below him, backups, I should say, aren't just sitting there losing spirit. They still feel like they want to go out there and compete because you need to have people ready because you never know when the backup might end up having to play due to injury or anything of the sort. Nice move. I like it. Speaking of nice moves, I want to discuss the NBA PA HBCU Top 50, which is a partnership between the NBA PA and then also the SWAC and the SEAC, not only the standouts, but then also how this could expand as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Let's go ahead and get ready for this two-parter. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and I am thanking the heavens. I'm so happy we have preseason football tonight. I love football. This is my time of the year. I'll be honest with you. I cry every now and then between you and I. I cry every now and then when football is over and it's just basketball. I cry a lot more when basketball is over and it's nothing. And I just cry tears of joy when it's football season again. I'm so, so thankful for it. We have preseason ball, but I don't care. Put your money down on who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. And whoever you pick, every single time they win, you get bonus bets back for free. So if you pick the Chiefs and they win 13 games, you have 13 weeks of bonus bets. It's that easy. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for my everydayers out there. Tomorrow is Feature Friday, and we'll be discussing former Alcorn State Brave, who just won another championship in Felix Harper. But right now, I want to break down a couple of HBCU basketball players who are trying to make that next step to the NBA, but they still have another year in college. So you have the NBA PA HBCU Top 50, and these are some of the biggest winners from this event. First, let's break down what the event is before we get into individual players that are actually winning because of this. So you look at the NBA, the NBA PA HBCU top 50. Not only is it a mouthful, but every single thing in there just describes what it is. The NBA PA, the National Basketball Association Player Association, they put this on with HBCUs and it picks the top 50 players. Now, the only thing that needs to be a caveat is it only selects from the SWAC in the SEAC, which we'll get to in segment three. But right now, I want to break down of those 50 players, we have five. That's my number, big five. And we're going to use Mason Smith, our good friend of the show and writer at Sports Illustrated, HBCU Legends Division. We're going to use his article because he was there, he was present, and he was able to see some of the players who really stood out. Um, but first, I want to actually say who I think the biggest winner in this is, overall, is SEAC players, because they get to go against Division One talent. Now, 
no slight, but you don't have that shooting up type of benefit when it comes to the SWAC. Now, average per average, I don't know. If you say the average SWAC player, how much do they benefit versus the average SEAC player, how much do they benefit? I'm not quite sure, but I think their peak, the max benefit that either one of them can have, the most comes from the SEAC because they have the opportunity to kind of punch up. They kind of have the opportunity to go against higher competition, even if it's just in scrimmages and drills and competition. If you can look better than SWAC players, I think that's going to look good on you as a Division II guy, somebody who might get a little bit more eyes because of it, as opposed to the other way around. But if you want to be a little bit more specific and get to actual players, there's two schools who had a pair of standouts on Mason Smith's article. Now, of course, you had those big dogs down there in the heart of Texas out there in Third Ward, right? If you just, if you just want to get straight to the nitty-gritty and talk about the best school out there, that was Texas Southern. They had P.J. Henry and then also Zy Mortal. And I think Mortal is the more interesting guy because we know what we're getting from P.J. Henry. We know what we're going to, we know the consistency. We know all of those things that we're getting from P.J. Henry. But with Mortal, he's going to be asked to take a step up this year for TSU. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to be because last year he was extremely exciting to watch. But then when you look at his numbers, he only averaged 7.9, nearly 8 points per game. He's going to be asked to take a step up as far as scoring goes. He's going to see more minutes. He went from starting 13 of the 35 games to likely starting every single game next year, unless they just decide to have him as a sixth man. But he's going to be a prominent part of the team, even more prominent than he was last year as a true freshman, the only true freshman to actually make, not make the team, but the only true freshman to actually have playing time on the squad, kind of similar to last year's starting or, or leading scorer, Devon Barnes, who was a true freshman two seasons ago, and then he was able to blast off and become kind of the leader of this squad in 2023. He'll still be there. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how the pairing of Honestly, I think it's going to be a big three. P.J. Henry, Zy Mortal, and Devon Barnes, where that's going to be dangerous. And if Barnes can, or excuse me, if Mortal can shoot from three a little bit better, maybe even just get up to about 32%, 30-32% because he was around 26 last year. If he can improve on that, that's going to be scary for the rest of the SWAC. And it was said that he actually knocked down a bunch of threes and looked good from beyond the arc during this event. So that's why he was a standout and that's why it's somebody to watch. But PJ Henry was on that list as well. Next, you have the duo of Deshaun Dyson and then also Zion Harmon. And our guy Smith, Mason Smith said that if there was an MVP, which there wasn't, but if there was an MVP for this event, it would have went to Dyson who was quote unstoppable. He was a guy who on every single level, not just by the rim, not just beyond the arc, but then also, in the mid-range. So you had the DeMar DeRose and you had the Steph and he also had the, the Zion, right? Kind of playing on words with his with his teammate there, Zion Harmon. But you had a guy who really was dominant at every single level. We already want to see that, with just period. No matter how you score, if you can score at every single level and you can't be stopped, you're going to be a dangerous player off rip. But then when you look at the ways that he was scoring, and I don't just mean the levels, the fact that he was able to score with the ball in his hand and create his own shot, Right within the flow of the offense, it was never forced. That's something that's important. You didn't just come out there, I'm gonna score. So he had the ball in his hand, he created his own offense. But then also, you had the 
off ball action. You had running through screens. You had his ability to move without the ball in his hand to just be in a position where he can catch and shoot to get open shots that way. That's what you need as a complete player because you're not always going to have the ball in your hand. You're not always going to be the guy who's setting up the offense. Sometimes you're going to need to move off ball. And he was able to show the ability to do both of those things. So you had him, him and Zion Harmon, who Harmon was credited as having an extremely quick shot. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to highlight one Division II player, and that is Kadeem Sam, who he was the only player who Mason highlighted for his defense. Now, I don't know, Mason, maybe you don't really care about defense. Maybe that's why you didn't have any defensive stalwarts on here. But this was the one player who stood out to me because he was credited for having extremely good perimeter defense. Now, I wasn't able to watch these things. So I wasn't able to say, I thought this person played defense. I want to highlight them. But going off of this list, when you have so many players who score extremely well, he also. Y'all, I think I might be talking about the wrong guy. <laughs> I think I might be talking about the wrong guy. Let me make sure I'm talking about the right guy here. But Mason did credit Kadeem for having his. Okay, I knew I wasn't tripping. Kadeem was credited for having really good versatility because he was playing center, which he usually doesn't do for Fort Valley State. He actually was credited for going to center when he played forward normally. And then it was actually Cameron Tucker from Alabama A&M who showed really solid perimeter defense. So I'm out here showing love to the wrong guy. But overall, so I guess we have six players now. So Cameron Tucker, who played really good defense, and then Kadeem Sam. Sometimes you get these things mixed up. I think it was about 10 players. But Sam showed the versatility that he hadn't shown at Fort Valley to be able to play center as well. So there you have it. You have six players who you can highlight and look at and say Texas Southern, Bethune-Cookman, one of the two duos right there might have a battle in the SWAC this year. You have Alabama A&M and a defensive stalwart around the, the perimeter. And then they also have the Division II guy and Kadeem Sam from Fort Valley State. So there you have it. Some players who are really standing out at the NBA PA top 50. But I think it's time to expand. And that number is going to have to rise from 50 in order to do what I want to do. But I think that it's time that that happens. And we'll break it down as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts out there. Honestly, I always say they're the most comfortable shorts, but they also have some really nice joggers that are extremely breathable. I live in Texas. I need breathable. These are the type of joggers that you can wear in the summertime because they're, say it with me now, breathable, right? But then you also have the shorts. The only reason I would tell somebody not to wear bird dogs is that they don't want to look good. Now, if you have a problem looking good, don't get bird dogs. That's the only thing that they're going to do, right? They have the slim fit, the khakis have a slim fit through the thigh and the leg. Make sure you look toned. Make sure you look good, right? You know, the ladies like when you show a little thigh. So let's go ahead and do it for the ladies. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And no matter what you purchase, you're going to get a free white tech hat, a free white tech hat. And we love free. So go ahead and go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or use the promo code locked on college at checkout. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. I believe 
that this HBCU, this NBA, PA, HBCU, top 50, absolute mouthful, it should be expanded into an NBA, NBA, PA, HBCU, top 100 mouthful. Because I don't even feel right considering yourself a top 50 when you're leaving out the MEAC and the CIAA. See, it's, it's marketed as an HBCU top 50, but that's not true. You're going to tell me that there's not MEAC and CIAA players within the HBCU top 50. Now, I'm not saying that you're lying because you're not. Because th this is what it really is, is the SEAC and the SWAC are the ones with the deal with the NBA PA. So now that's why it's just SWAC and SEAC players. But we got to spread the love. We have to find some sort of way to include the MEAC and CIAA. Maybe you can get Tennessee State. Maybe you can get North Carolina Ante. Maybe you can get Hampton. Because I'm of the belief that just because you leave an HBCU conference doesn't mean you're not an HBCU, don't deserve certain HBCU perks. Yes, you lose conference perks. Like, don't be trying to tell me that North Carolina A&T should be in the Celebration Bowl. No. Hey, man, I think North Carolina A&T would have been the best team in the MEAC if they were still there, but they're not. So they don't get certain conference perks, you know? But certain HBCU events, they should still be a part of, and they are still a part of them, right? The CP3 HBCU Challenge, North Carolina A&T was a part of that, and they deserve to be a part of that. So I would like to see them be a part of this event, but maybe the buy-in with it being an individual school versus the conference. I don't, I don't know what the deal in the business looks like. I don't even know what the deal in the business looks like as far as getting the MEAC and the CIAA, but I do know there's precedent because I've seen a Division II HBCU do it. I've seen a Division I HBCU conference do it. I've seen that. So I know that the MEAC and I know that the CIAA, they could get there. And you can't tell me that there's not players in the top 50. Maybe you expanded to the top 100. But the, at the end of the day, I believe that MEAC players are suffering. And I say that with air quotes and really with the slightest of seriousness. But I do mean it because they are missing out on some of this instruction. You don't have the time to meet with the NBA players and the WNBA players and get basically it's like a workshop. And you're missing out on this opportunity. You're missing out on these connections that can be made. Forget the game of basketball. You're missing out on all of these things. So I do believe that it is important for them to be a part of this event. I think it would benefit them. Now, MEAC basketball, CIAA basketball is kicking. It's going well. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, man, this is this is bad basketball. If they come and get with the NBA PA, get some tips, we could really elevate the game. It's just that there's way to improve. People in the NBA are improving. So it's not as if you've just reached your peak. You've reached your ceiling and you're unable to or just unable to improve from where you currently are. And I think that the event kind of suffers too because it brands itself as an HBCU top 50. Now, granted, you're probably not going to call it the NBA, PA, SEAC, and SWAC top 50 because if you just shorten it to HBCU, it's already a lot. You put both of those conference individual in there, it's going to be a real lot to say. But I believe that it'll be more true to the name. It would be more true to the name and then you would also get a better product. Maybe that's why you see the HBCU All-Star Game. It got promoted. It got a lot of love. It was looked at as an event that was something to kind of watch out for. This has been around for five years, and it kind of came and it went. It's not something that really gets overly discussed. It flies under the radar. I think that this is an event that, and look, I'm not trying to slander the event. That, that's not my goal. But I do believe that by including all HBCUs, you might get a little bit more publicity. It might be more discussed. And also, these players deserve it, too. And I'm a swag guy.
spread the freaking love. That's how I feel about it. I spread the love every day. You spread the love every day when you make this your first listen of the day every day. And I appreciate it. I truly do. On tomorrow's episode for my everydayers, we're going to continue spreading the love. We're going to discuss somebody who has left an HBCU, has moved on professionally, Felix Harper, who is now a professional quarterback and just won his first professional championship. So shout out to him. Uh, so he said he's won on every single level. We'll break down that on tomorrow's episode for our feature Friday. But in the meantime, in between time, until next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Hey.